Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. <coughs> Whoops, a bit too loud. There we go. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome to Homo Sapiens. I don't know if I've done this before. I'm going to wish you happy Easter because this is the episode that's going out just before Easter. I believe it's Good Friday tomorrow. Have you bought your eggs? Have you bought chocolate? Have you mm, called your mother? Very exciting that I'm not here alone. I'm joined virtually by a wonderful man who spreads love and light wherever he goes. Reverend G.J. McCauley for a very special Easter special of Homo sapiens, uh, who defines himself, I think, as the happy, holy homosexual. Is that right? Absolutely, uh, Chris. I am the happy, holy homosexual. I'm the founder and the chief executive officer of House of Rainbow, a grassroots community organization that started over 15 years ago uh, in my mm-hmm. native country, Nigeria, in Lagos. And then, of course, we continue the amazing work here in London in 2010. And, of course, we've grown. So that, that's be uh, in a nutshell. Yeah. Do you see Easter as one of the times when you are going to overdrive on pastoral care, looking after people, looking after members of your community and your church? I think Easter, like any other traditional Christian festival, is always an opportunity, you know, to highlight the message of inclusion. Mm. Um, mm. You know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son who came to die mm. for everybody, not just one person, everybody and for LGBT people as well. Yes, it's G-A-Y stands for God adores you. Absolutely. I've got a banner behind me. So there we go. Um, you know, God adores you, God affirm you, God anoints you, God accepts you. I mean, I, I say this, you know, all the time. I have gotten into trouble many times um, with some of the leaders <laughs> in my church here. Yeah, they said, no, Good. you cannot say that to gay people that God adores you. And someone really? went further to say that it's against the canonical teaching of the Church of England to tell gay people that God adores you. And I think that is ridiculous. So uh, it's true. I mean, no one's going to stop yeah. me uh, saying Great. to gay people that God adores you. Uh, you know, because you have to wake up every day, you know, having a level of hope and understanding of who God is for you. Yeah, I've been basically putting loads of things out to the listeners. I think we should hear from the listeners in this episode and sort of talk about because religion and queerness are a thorny mix and who would know that better than you but it's really interesting to hear what people have written in and said actually so i'm just going to read you an email i think it might be anonymous i'm not going to say the name um but i'm just going to have a read dear homo sapiens team that's all of you uh, i just now caught up with all the episodes after a full immersion marathon over the past six weeks you have helped so much i'm a 50 year old who just recently has come to accept I've been agendered and genuinely asexual all my life and no wonder I never fit in or felt accepted I'm not broken society is 50 years of trans dysphoria 
leaves its mark. I can only imagine it does. Just today, I had the uncomfortable but essential realization that I don't believe any of the good things in my life are real. I get that get that that is a dissociative defense mechanism that my mind construed to deal with childhood trauma, trans dysphoria, and unbearable loss. What I don't get is how to live any other way. Writing this is fueled mostly by the idea that it might help someone else. A few times in my life, something buried deep saved me and made me choose life. I felt invisible, wrong in how I love, wrong in my body, wrong in how I think and how I feel. I know my friends love me, but it still doesn't feel real. It just feels like it's for someone else, the idea of me, not actually me. I'm so grateful words like transsexual and asexual and agender are available to children now that there are helplines, guidelines, information. I wonder what my life would have been if I'd had access or any uh, of my caregivers had had enough education to notice who I was. I'm so grateful for podcasts like Homo Sapiens, giving me the tools for acceptance to open doors in my mind so I can ask the right questions and give myself the right to exist. Love. And then the person's written their name. And I don't know if it's anonymous. I'm not going to say the name. Uh, what, What a beautiful email. And I'm so thrilled that we've been able to be part of any kind of healing for you. And there's that saying, you've got to see it to be it, right? And that's to be able to hear words that you can relate to finally after all these years what a wonderful thing and um i imagine gday you get a lot of letters and messages like that for the work you do oh absolutely i mean it's not just confined to england but from all over the world particularly from places in in, in africa and, and nigeria in particular and yes there are asexuals among us even people who might have thought that they were gay or bisexual or transgender or lesbian could be asexual but at the same time, um, there are services and support. Um, in the UK, there is Transactual UK, which is mm-hmm. a, a transgender support network. And also there's the Black Trans Alliance as well, which is mm-hmm. a, a trans, uh, trans community that supports uh, trans people. So, but at the same time, I think people should also know that, um, you know, we are currently campaigning uh, part of a community campaigning to ban conversion therapy uh, in the mm. UK. And you might have heard the news that the UK government did a U-turn uh, on the legislation yeah. and then later said, no, um, we will allow uh, the legislation to go forward to ban conversion therapy for lesbian, gay and bisexual, but not for trans people. Uh, the will of change continues. We continue to yeah. uh, make sure that the, our voices are heard and we are visible. Uh, a number of um, Christian leaders also signed a letter uh, to the prime minister saying that, you know, we do not accept, uh, you know, the uh, U-turn. Uh, on the legislation, yeah. we don't say that, you know, you are Great. not going to ban conversion therapy for uh, transgender sibling. But of course, you know, I mean, many people question their sexuality, you know, anything outside of heteronormativity is considered an abomination, is considered a crime of some sort. But, you know, what we have been saying and been campaigning for over the years you know, part of our teaching to the LGBT community, those who are non-conforming, non-binary, is that God loves you just the way you are. God accepts you. God adores you. And that is a clear message, you know, that I want to share. Even alongside, you know, me saying that I'm a happy, holy homosexual. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, life has not always been happy. But I have to let you know that out of the mess... You know, I try to look for the silver lining 
uh, it's not easy. You know, I have had to face many forms of discrimination, racism, xenophobia, you know, uh, homophobia, mm. you know, stigmatization because of my and uh, my health. Uh, you know, so there are just so many things that you you have to face challenges. But I, I, I wake up every day knowing that here is an opportunity, you know, for me to reach for that goal, for me to yeah. reach, do better and also to help other people. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to you, because it's refreshing to hear because, you know, religion, I'm not religious, right? But like religion represents many great things for many people. Queer people can feel automatically excluded. And that's not true. And then when I, you know, I listened to interviews with you and stuff, I just thought it was really inspiring for to hear a different angle on it. And the other thing I want to add as well is when you mentioned conversion therapy, there is also... um you know this person who's written in talking about asexual being asexual there is also asexual conversion therapy which um yasmin benoit spoke to us about a previous guest who is also aromantic and asexual and you know that's overlooked as well so the more we can club together and support our trans members of the community and also asexual aromantic everybody we are all one who can work together and and look after each other right absolutely um, you know, I mean, Chris, I mean, I, I am actually uh, a co-founder of the Global Interfaith Network. Um, I am still very much connected to the network. Uh, the offices are based in South Africa. And of course, you know, um, last month, uh, March of 2022 in London, uh, there was a, a conference for the Global Interfaith Commission. Now, of course, um, when it comes to religion, um, there is no single religion that is free of homophobia. So we know that, you know, major uh, religion, for example, the Abrahamic faith, we're talking Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, you know, is very, very harsh, you know, on, mm. on the LGBT community. But the other reality is that, you know, there are, you know, um, queer theology, there are liberation theology that speaks to the lives of LGBT people. Now, one thing I want to make clear uh, to our listeners today is that religion is about peace and love. It's about justice and kindness. So anything that is negative is not of that religion. You know, I mean, we have a study time at House of Rainbow. We call it Querying the Bible. We spend time together to look at what does the Bible say about us queer people. And needless to say, um, when you practice a religion, you have to also be centered in understanding the good things of your religious practices. So we say in uh, Christianity, in especially where we call it queer Christian, we take the word back. Too often, mm. people have used the Bible as a weapon to discriminate. We have seen it, not just to the LGBT community. People have used the Bible to demonize women, to demonize widows, to demonize children yeah. and people with disability. They have used the Bible to justify slavery and racism. So, mm -hmm. I mean, but for many of us who are black people and queer people, we also need to find ourselves in scriptures and take the good word back, the inclusive gospel. We need to take it back. And that for me is very important. I mean, don't yes. be on the sideline and, and say, oh, you know, the, the, the Bible uh, is against me. No, it's not. You need to spend time with the scriptures. You need to spend energy looking 
into scriptures as well. And of course, uh, you know, for, for me as a person of faith, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, that continues to guide us because the, the Bible in itself is, is a guide. But, you know, people take the Bible very literally. No, mm-hmm. you know, you've you got to be you got to take the Bible seriously, but not literally. I mean, do you feel just you as a person, aside from your faith, aside from your uh, your job, do you sometimes feel like you are just fighting so against the tide with that stuff? And how do you feel in those moments? No, I don't. I don't think I'm always fighting against the tide. Um, and I think what the reality is that once you know your truth, you mm-hmm. are completely set free. I mean, those. It's not just a catchphrase, you know. And you shall know the truth. Uh, and and you, you you'll be free. It's 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 a reality. It's a real. Once you know your truth, there's nothing else that can change you from knowing your truth. If your truth is that mm-hmm. you are same gender loving, if you're a lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender, that is your truth. How you navigate, you know, the rest of your life is the key part of it. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think that sometimes people see religion as controlling and uh, uh, and um, manipulating of people. But I think that, you know, we find ourselves in communities where we are able to praise and worship and share part of our own reality and that journey towards reconciling our faith and sexuality. Yes, you may, you may, you, you may find yourself fighting against the tide, you know, when people are in objection. And that has been part of my own reality. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you know, but I am an Anglican uh, priest, I was ordained into priesthood in 2020. But mm. I mean, I was ordained a deacon in 2013, and usually it would take about a year. But because I faced and suffered racism and homophobia and xenophobia and stigmatization, I had wow. a, a, I had a lot of pushback, you know, such that I I was not ordained a priest until 2020. Uh, it was a lot of pushback. It was a lot of people saying, "Well, no, and um, you, you, you're not um, you, you're not mature enough to be a priest." Um, you know, you, you cannot be telling gay people that God loves them. Uh, you know, really? you, you, yeah, I mean, things like that. I cannot believe it. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so, I mean, I, I have done a few things. For example, I did a documentary that was on BBC primetime in 2019. And mm. the documentary was called, Am I Too Gay for God? And the, the backdrop to this is that in 2013, the United Kingdom passed a, a law called the Same-Sex Couples Act, which meant yeah. that, you know, lesbian and gay people, um, you know, can marry in, in, the, in the United Kingdom, or actually in England. But then again, I mean, the pushback from the establishment of the church is that same-sex marriage cannot take place in the church. And that was legally in the law, you know, the, the mm. law gave an exemption to the church. So I was asking this question, Am I too gay for God that I cannot even get married in the church? For example, you know, I'm baptized in the church. You know, I'm confirmed in the church. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure if I die today, the church will give me that right of my funeral and burial. But I cannot marry my partner. That seems like a, an injustice that is not just about religious beliefs. It's about abuse. This is, 
You're telling yeah. the people that are giving their time and serve your church that they cannot get married. That's wrong. Yeah, it really is. And I get so confused because I, there's so often... <laughs> There's so often I'll be told about the only gay vicar there is, and that can be Roman Catholic, it can be Church of England, it can be, and then I'm always like, there's tons of them. So what is what are the actual rules? And um, because with the Anglican Church, for example, which is is Anglican part of Church of England? The Church of England is Anglican. There's no other Anglican. Are they the same thing? It is the same thing. So they're okay, interchangeably. Fine. Um, I think that to be quite honest, I mean, I. In human sexuality, you have to understand there will always be gay people, there will always be lesbians, there will always be bisexual, there will always be transgender people. And I think that, you know, to serve God, to be a priest, is is got nothing to do with your sexuality. But of course, you know, the Church of England have guidelines around human sexuality. And it means that if you are a, a gay priest, you cannot have genitalia pleasure those are the words of the church according to the guidelines you know you cannot have right. sex period uh you cannot mm-hmm. be in a relationship with someone of the same gender okay uh, even for our heterosexual siblings who are priests they have to mm-hmm. be married they cannot be in a cohabitation or just they, they have to be married uh if they are in a relationship so you can really? see the Gosh. limitations are there you understand me? Mm. And, and this is why I think that the church, to some extent, you know, collude with people not living their truth, not living their best life. Because too mm. often, you know, uh, someone who is gay, who is in a relationship, is not able to celebrate that relationship within their church community. So that means they have to keep it under wrap. So too often, yeah. you know, their lovers become their friends or a neighbor or a lodger and things like mm. that. And that is very unfair, you know, to the gay or lesbian person. You know, uh, if yes. you were heterosexual, your relationship is never something that you hide from the church or from the congregation. But because there are yeah. rules and guidelines, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, they're often broken. But of course, nobody comes forward, you know, to speak the truth about you know, what's going on in their lives because of the repercussions. Um, Mm. There are many gay priests in the Church of England, for example, that decide to resign when they got married to their partner, their same-sex partner, because, you know, they didn't feel comfortable that they can stay in the church. Mm. There's no good behind secrets, you know. There's no... You want people to be able to live their truth no matter what it is. So we asked, do you as an LGBTQ plus person identify as religious? 86% of you said no and 14% of you said yes, which is it was very interesting because it sort of tallies with my experience of queer people thinking that they are excluded from the church. How, how did you arrive at religion? Did you have your calling? Is that how it happened for you, GD? No, I didn't have, a, I didn't have that kind of epiphany. Um, I, mm-hmm. I was born and raised in a Christian home. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my, parents were, my parents were Christians. I mean, my mom is, is late, but my father is still alive. Um, my father is a leading theologian, you know, in, in Nigeria. So again, I was brought up around faith and, and, you know, it's been part of my life. Now, of course, you know, and it, there are times where, you know, my sexuality, uh, I felt very strong about my sexuality, but I've never conceded giving up on God. 
you know, mm-hmm. I whatever the pain that I'm going through or my experiences around my sexuality, I always lift it up to God in my prayers. And so I didn't come to this situation where I felt, oh no, I, I need to uh, go into priesthood. You know, it's something that I've always wanted to do from when I was about 13 years old. Mm. But at 13 years old, you know, I was also discovering changes about myself. You know, at 13 mm-hmm. years old, I knew that I was gay. I was different. But again, you know, I mean, by this time, I've also come across Bible texts and Bible teachings about homosexuality. And as a 13-year-old, I didn't understand it, but I understand better today. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, my calling to ministry has always been part of my own growth and my own formation. So I've always known that I want to be a priest, but I didn't have the clear pathway when I was growing up. But of course, you know, where after I was married to a woman and divorced and separate, separated and divorced is when I started mm-hmm. to think more about going into ministry. I really wanted to serve God. But of course, I mean, there are two things that are now hanging upon me. One is my sexuality and the second thing is that I'm divorced. And those two things have some very bad teachings in scriptures. You know, uh, mm. if you divorce, you know, you're going to hell. If you are gay, you're going to hell. But I had to find a way, not just navigate around it. I needed to walk my, my way through it and understand it. So um, it was later in, in, in the early 2000s that I was introduced to the Metropolitan Community Church. And the Metropolitan Community Church is, a, is an inclusive and a family ministries that's welcoming to the LGBT community, including training for leadership. So it was within this mm. community that I trained, you know, for leadership and I was successful and I, I was ordained. And it was out of that that I also grew the passion to start the community of House of Rainbow. Of course, it was right. later on that I came to train, you know, for the Church of England to become an Anglican priest. So for mm. me, I've always wanted to serve in the church, but... As a black person, as a gay person, there's always obstructions along the way. But these are things you navigate. They're not easy. So when you married a woman, was that because you were in denial or because you were wanted to, you were just in love or what was that? I think, I think you, you know, it's, it's a cross between denial and, and I'm in love. And, but, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- there are stages that got to that, that got me to that point. Um, I mean, I got married when I was probably about 24 years old, very young. I mean, I'm 56 now. So by the time in my early 20s, I really struggled with my sexuality. And because I was, I was brought up in a very conservative Christian environment, all the teachings and knowledge about homosexuality were very negative. So mm-hmm. what I did for myself was to take all of these feelings and experiences into prayer, fasting and praying, mm. asking God to deliver me from these homosexual feelings. But of course, you know, when I finished praying, I think it took me 40 days or so of praying and fasting. You know, I met a girl in my church then and I asked if she would be my girlfriend. And she said yes. And of course, me being very uh, inexperienced and ignorant, I was celebrating that. Oh, my God, now I have a girlfriend. I'm no longer gay. That was far from the truth. You know, mm-hmm. the, the reality mm-hmm. is that now I'm in a relationship with a girl. It means that I, I, I kind of like shut down, you know, all of my feelings for, for men at the time. But it didn't go away because, I mean, I was in a relationship with this uh, amazing person for about seven years altogether. 
So mm-hmm. um, from about 22 years old to maybe yeah, 29 years old. So it was difficult because um, the first two years of our relationship was the easiest part because we lived apart. Um, then we lived together for two years and then it came to the notice of the church and then the church said, no, you cannot live together. You have to get married. So, and you know, family pressures where we got married. And of course, we have a child together, but I didn't have a plan. It wasn't my plan for me to get into um, uh, a relationship with a woman to avoid my sexuality. You know, I knew mm-hmm. about my sexuality. I didn't have the knowledge about my sexuality that affirms me, that tells me that it's okay. Many people go through that. The work that we do at House of Rainbow today is actually to support the LGBT community reconciling their faith and their sexuality. You know, I would rather that 100% of the people that I come in contact with avoid the mistake that I made, um, you know, believing that I'm no longer gay because I, I, I made a prayer. And, and, yeah. and also, there was no one to turn to. You, there were no religious leaders to turn to to say, these are my feelings and, you know, given the opportunity that they will affirm, you know, uh, yeah. my sexuality. And how amazing that you've created that space for people now. Thank you. Stop right there, listener. I've just seen you've cracked open your Easter egg too early, haven't you? I know at least one of you, that's true. Listen, I've already mowed my way through a bag of mini eggs. Um, That's the end of part one of our lovely chat with Reverend G-Day asking the question, does God love LGBTQ plus people? Well, we're getting to the bottom of it, but you'll have to go over to part two in the feed to find out more. Okie dokie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Powered by Spirit Studios.